Hello, I'm Joanne Pei, and this is my brand new podcast series, What Do I Know? My guest today is a multi-hyphenate, and while Wikipedia describes her as a Singaporean singer-songwriter, scriptwriter, and YouTube personality, I do wonder though, how does she feel wearing so many hats? And in this world of YouTubers, KOLs, content creators, and influencers, is there a difference? With the work done, is one better than the other? Let's hear it from the talented Annette Lee. Hi, Hi Annette. Hi, Joanne. Thank you so much for having me on your very first episode. It's such an honor. Thank you so much for joining me and for agreeing to come on the show. And for those of you who are not familiar with Annette, she's a popular filmmaker, actress, and musician, most well-known for her comedy. She's written, directed, and starred in many of her own viral video series. And you would probably have seen her work on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram as she played very familiar characters like Chantelle and Auntie Susan. You would also have heard of this song that she wrote and performed with Ben King called Tai Fan Song. So Annette, you know, you are someone with so many ideas and the difference about you is that you actually make these ideas come to life. We also have a lot of ideas, but sometimes we just sit around and think about (laughs) it and nothing ever happens. So tell us, how do you do it? I I would say... Some some are easier if they're, you know, TikTok ideas, the kind of stuff mm. where you just shoot with a phone and a tripod. But for some of the ideas that are bigger, like my more ambitious ideas, those do take a lot more time and I need to coordinate with a lot more people. I like creating and I like seeing uh, uh, things come to life. Let's, I recently did a, a web series, for example, mm. and that, that took a very long time. It was almost a year on top of everything else um, that I've been working on. But despite it taking such a long time, it's just very cool that, you know, just a, an idea can become a whole show that people are watching. And I, I think it's super cool. Yes, you mentioned, of course, the videos that you do at home, it's quite easy. You know, you have a tripod, you have a camera. But the thing is, when I see some of the videos that you do, it's not just at home. You know, you, you're in character, you're outdoors. You've done it like so fearlessly. I mean, was there ever any sort of concern or worry or anxiety that you had i think okay so one thing that helps for a lot of the outdoors ones is that i always have a camera guy with me so Mm. i I never feel alone Mm. and secondly i'm usually dressed up as a strange character and that helps because i just feel like it's not me already so even if the auntie walks past i just hello and she'll never know who i am because i'm dressed up as i don't know donald trump or something and it just looks completely different so to me i actually feel safer in in disguise but if it was you you would feel embarrassed i might though if i was if it was myself and i was doing something embarrassing but i think maybe after so many years of desensitizing maybe once i switched back to myself and i really really did something embarrassing maybe it wouldn't be so bad but i still think i'll 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 definitely serve a bit more fear than compared to if i was in character you you did mention also before that when you i mean when you started out you also didn't know where this was going to take you right so i guess there's no pressure in that sense like just do and then see where it takes you then as you go along and then you you gain more popularity and people started to like what you do more isn't there a pressure to keep up with this likability factor yeah actually isn't it kind of strange that we're we're doing a job in which like how well we're doing depends on like how much people like us i think because of the new age of like digital media it's Mm. easy for people to like leave a hate comment if they really don't like you like Mm. it's easy for them to just show whatever sentiment they have towards you and that's why that kind of 
Which is why I feel for you strange. what you do because a lot of the work that you put out there is on social media, right? And you're opening yourself up to all these comments from people and, and, and that's why I'm saying the likability factor that you need to keep up with it. Like you, you, you have to sort of make sure that you're always liked or at least your content is always liked, isn't it? Just try my best to be as consistent a person as I am, say, in front of the camera and behind the camera. So I don't have to try so hard like when I'm on camera I need to be a likable person you know mm, mm. like I just try to be authentic so would you say that you uh, have you, you are not trying to please your audience would you say that I would say I'm trying to make stuff that they would like ah yeah. okay for me it's it's like them liking me is is a byproduct of me trying to make something that I believe they'll like Mm. Yeah, so it's not so much me trying, the, the, the end goal is not like, please like me, you know? Right, Yeah. right. So I also know that you sort of make a lot of videos of trends, or at least what you think is, is trendy. Why is this important to you? I would say it's not super important for me, but sometimes if I have an idea that so happens, um, I happen to come up with an idea while looking at this trending topic. Then I'll I'll just make oh, it act happen. On it. Yeah, so mm. it's not so intentional where, um, something trending is happening. I must create something. Ah. If I can't think of anything, I don't force it. Yeah. Right. So it's it's the same thing. Like I don't wanna to to just do it for the sake of doing it. Mm. It's like I want to to uh, uh think of how I can bring value um by adding on to the conversation because you, your your intention is always to bring joy and mm. to make people laugh but sometimes you don't know how people are going to respond to what you make yeah right so well, I, I suppose what i'm asking is have you ever done anything and then you thought it was funny and people just uh that's lame or like they don't like it or yeah. or or they turn it the other way and say actually that was that was very rude or you know anything like that i i think that there have been uh maybe some ideas where I, I thought it's kind of funny but um some it, it, it didn't do as well as I expected maybe but uh I, I'm fine with those because I, I think those are just learning lessons it happens mm. all the time right um but when it comes to people turning around and saying I'm rude or something I, I think it rarely happens so it's just a few comments here and there um but they're generally few and far between do you get hate comments uh, not so much now. I used to. Uh, I used to, I guess, because I've always been very vocal and mm. very honest about how I, 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 I see things. And obviously, when I voice certain things, I never saw it as a problem or that it would stir controversy or that it would make some segments of the population unhappy. And uh, But somehow or rather, you know, it just creates that, that conversation and then people start talking. There will always just be a few people who do want I, to... I kind of assume you don't have it because... I mean, I your don't. main goal is to make people laugh and to make them happy. Like, honestly, like, how can you hate someone for that? Like, there will just know? be some people, this is not funny at all. Which is fine. But because not... everyone has different um, uh, uh, senses of humor. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just saying that this is not funny at all is, is okay. I mean, I guess it's not, um, it doesn't put you down, right? Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, for me, I, I have received some really like, like nasty comments before. Uh, but I guess it's also training for... I, I always see it as training, you know, for myself on how to let go. Just now you mentioned something about, like, some, th some of the 
stuff that you create is more successful than others. So how do you measure this success? I wouldn't fixate on it. So yeah, if something doesn't do as well, okay, like I'll just move on and just make the next thing. Mm. Yeah, so you just constantly think of like what's next. Uh, and I think it's very important. So even if, it, if it's a failure, a failure, then I'll just, okay, that's bummer. Okay, never mind. I'll just move on. And um, if it's successful, then oh, great. And then I just also like don't let that get to my head. And then now what's next? Now what can I do? You know, it's even better. Um, and I think that's something which I learned, especially since uh, I, I became independent, right? Mm. Because um, it was a lot of trial and error, error, and I had that space to do that where I could just fail and there wouldn't really be consequences. And I just try out um, an experiment with different uh, uh, types of videos, different styles, different characters, and, and whatever sticks, then I go on with it. Whatever doesn't, I don't. Um, and I think it just taught me to to not be affected by failure as much. So I, I no longer fear it as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say, you know, similar like what you was what we were talking about, um, you know, some people leaving their feedback, um, hate comments or something. Sometimes I I mean I do take that um I mean those are in a sense you you many failures in the sense that you failed these people. But you can't take that to heart also, right? Because you can't um, live your life um, um, succumbing to the Karens of the world. When you say that you don't let success get to you, what what do you mean by that? Like, is there an example of perhaps some, you've seen it happen to some people where they allow their success to get to them? What, what sort of behavior or action are we talking about? I mean, I, I have seen people kind of change a little bit because of I don't know fame and money Mm -hmm. Um, and also just being in in the industry sometimes you can see people very fixated on like numbers or fixated on um, I don't know yeah like I want I want to to have more followers I want to whatever yeah but what I've come to realize is that the more you you fixate and the more obsessed you are about something right the more it will elude you the more you just trust um, what you do and don't fixate so much on um, that picture of success, like, it'll come find you. So, you know, what are some of the things that, you know, without being fixated, that you can do to sort of, I don't know, realize it or, you know, make it happen for you in a more healthy and positive way? Like, do you have any tips or what you've done or, or practice yourself? I think it's just you gotta look beyond that, um, that superficial uh, um, idea of what you view success, right? Sometimes a lot of people like they just want fame. It's just like why? Why do you want it? You know, and and it's important to evaluate like what you wanna, what is it that you want behind it? You know, they want love from people, and um, unfortunately, I feel that you know just it's you're, you're not going to end up happy at the end of the day because they think that that's what you're going to get and um sometimes you know in the same way as someone who's maybe just chasing money like i want to be rich right and you think that oh i'll be happy because that's when people will will respect me and, and look at me but sometimes that's not true because mm. um uh, uh people might not might still not like you because if you're rich but you're a horrible person then <laughs> you know and in the same way um you you think that you being famous means everyone's going to love you. But that's not true because even if really everyone truly loves you, right? They don't really love you because they don't really know you. And so I think it's important that um, 
all these um whatever it is that that you feel deprived of uh, your craving right you have to settle it behind behind the closed doors first and it's like um i i need to feel fulfilled already um i need to feel content already i need to feel adequately loved already and from there like okay i'm not trying to achieve all these other things from the external world and and rather as a creative i can think of now because i'm filled already how can i give back and how can i um uh used use my platform or just uh use my voice and how can i use that to instead return that love into the world and i think from there um you'll be able to have also deeper connections with your audience and you know have like start conversations and um uh just laugh together about things, cry together about things and um I think that's more meaningful and that's more important for me and that's what I I feel is the most meaningful part about what I do. Yeah. You know speaking of the value that you're giving back to us, you know, I I mean how I stumbled on you is really during the, you know, the whole covid period we are stuck at home and plus I had this whole renovation going on and you know, it was just, there was just a lot of stress on many many ends and I just Remember the thing that we did. I don't know if you remember a long time ago. This was the live stream thing. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, and that yeah, was how I I knew of you. And then I I don't know how and and why, but I decided to look for you. And then I saw all these videos that you were doing, and 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 they it really brought me a lot of laughter. And I started to you know every night you know when I'm like unpacking all these <laughs> negative things that I had to deal with in the day, I would just like watch your videos and I just keep watching them, and they just sort of make me feel a lot better. And I think. Um, this value that you're giving back, which is comedy, which is making people laugh, it's actually very difficult. You know, comedy is a very difficult, uh, I would say, genre to go into. But you have decided, you know, to just navigate it like that. Like, has has it just ever uh, always been this way for you? You know, that like comedy has always been a part of your life, and you have you always had this ability to laugh at yourself and just not be embarrassed about you know the, the 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 way you are sort of mocking yourself sometimes mm. i i think growing up um like humor was a, a big coping mechanism for me mm. um and i would say you know in difficult times like where i found um like reprieve was in you know just like watching stuff that would make me laugh or music and so that's why i think as a creative like i connect very closely with with um um comedy in terms of entertainment and um music lah because those are things that um made me that gave me peace and those are things that made me feel um a lot better um in in my difficult times as well having gone through difficult times right like learning to 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 laugh about it becomes um um a way in which you can see life in not so serious a way and you realize actually your problems aren't as big as you magnify them in your head to be yeah are you, are you open to sharing like what are some of the difficult times that you went through and that you actually sort of laugh about it and use humor to cope i grew up in a family that was you know relatively dysfunctional like you know parents fighting a lot of times and and stuff uh, growing up my sister bullied me a lot so by the way which oh. she we're okay now we're very good friends but <laughs> <laughs> she will tell you like how bad so she your older was really sister, mean right? to me yeah older yeah. sister um, and I think just growing up also I just felt like I was I was constantly always like very alone mm-hmm. and um, I I I found uh, um, joy you know in just uh, um, as a really at a really young age like just drawing I, I was I really like drawing when I was younger uh, as I got older 
it, I guess it moved on into you know me discovering music and and watching shows as well. And I think that's how I developed that interest in you know in both of those. When it came to when I was in JC and then in in uni, I I found a lot of stress as well because in JC I I was so stressed from just the subjects because it was the first time in my life where I didn't understand anything. What subjects were you taking? Then? I I took a hybrid. I took math, chemistry, literature, and art. Oh wow! So lit and art were okay. Okay. But chem and math was, it was seen as. Oh, if you take the arts, that's your you're doomed. Your, yeah, you're doomed, you know. And that's when I really told myself, okay, I'm just gonna go to university and and study, um, and just study art because that's really all I know how to do. Um, and so it's just this whole process of having difficult uh, moments and trying to figure out my life. And even after I graduated from from uni, I had this major quarter life crisis or so because I was just, what am I gonna do with my life? Mm-hmm. And what if the rumors were true and I'm doomed forever. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> and, um and it was yeah, so I th- I think it was tough. Um uh and then yeah, so the older you get just more worries just stacked on top of each other and just pile pile onto and it's like welcome to life, right? And I think yeah, if not for learning to laugh about some situations and um learning to turn some of the pain into art or into comedy, I, I think it would have been a very difficult time. Yeah. Do you sometimes feel that when we choose to laugh about the difficult things that happen to us, that we are actually not addressing the problem? Like we're just sort of brushing it aside by ha 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 and then we just brush it aside. Do you think that? I think it's a bit of both. Like you got to learn to laugh about it, but then of course you also take measures um, to to uh you know get better you take measures to try and um solve your issues but i think learning to laugh about it is is a good first step in in the right direction right because you um i think laughter is like disempowers um any any the strength of any situation mm-hmm. if you if you learn to laugh yourself and then your situation is disempowered in that moment, you know, like your situation suddenly feels like it's not as crazy as as you think it is, yeah, and and um that helps you um then move on to start fixing the problem and take on your opponent a bit more easily. It's not that your opponent disappears, but he's just not as strong now. So okay, before we go for our break, I just want some some actionable tips from you. Because, you know, we talk about being able to laugh in difficult situations. Okay, so theoretically, we know that when we are faced with some sort of, you know, difficult situation, we should use humor. But then how? If you can't laugh at your, or yourself, then, you know, uh, uh, go search for some something in which you can can laugh at. Like, come watch my videos, you know. But, <laughs> um, you know, just look for something that can bring you that that's into that state of laughter. It's like how sometimes they say if you smile long enough in a day, then you might actually feel happier and allow yourself to get into that state. I think watch Annette's videos. That yeah. works too. <laughs> and with that, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. And just before we went for the break, we were actually talking about using laughter to diffuse any difficult situations. Which brings me to what just happened at the Oscars uh, not too long ago, where, you know, Will Smith was upset about something that Chris Rock said, which he did out of 
humor in from his perspective. I I think no matter what, like violence is never an answer. So, um, even if it, you know he was upset at at a joke, um, I I don't think that he should have just gone and hit somebody. Yeah, because mm. the minute you hit somebody, right, then you you lose already. Yeah. What do you think he could have done then? Chris Rock made a joke, right, and. If you let these words like affect you to the to to an extent where you need to um get physical, then that's kind of that's kind of crazy because someone out there might say something worse to you one day. Maybe he should have just sat in the audience and just yelled what he yelled. For me, there are people who also say that while you know that looks like physical violence and that there's also the other part of it where. Whatever Chris said could be seen as verbal abuse, right? It's also violence in a different form, in a verbal form, and it's also not okay. We may be okay to talk about it, but it doesn't make it okay for you to make fun of it. So I think, I, I think, in a way, what he has done is that he has made a very, very strong point with this very public display of anger, uh, and it probably wouldn't have the same impact if he had just sort of spoken to him on the side, uh, back like off off stage to do this. So. So I, I I don't know if, you know, if at that point in time he had used humor, for example, just laugh about it and just let it go, if it would have uh, been better. But what I felt he did was actually sometimes when you have anger in this way, it raises awareness for everyone. And it makes me think also that, hey, you know what? Sometimes when we make jokes about people, we got to be careful what we yeah, say. We've got to be sensitive. And we... And, and, and it has always been very close to my heart also because I've experienced before what it's like to be on the receiving end, right? And when you have hosts and you have comedians, because in wanting to make a joke and being humorous and they actually make fun of us or, you know, and, and I'm not okay with it. Yeah. I'm not happy with it. But, you know, you don't want to make a scene. You don't want to like draw unnecessary drama to yourself. So you just kind of like, ha ha ha, laugh about it. But then after that, you go like, actually, you know, maybe I should have stood up to it and I should have voiced out what I thought, you know, publicly because you did something so public to me but then I don't get a chance to respond publicly to what you did. Uh, so so coming from that that experience, you know, I would feel like, you know, I, I kind of also understand where he's coming from. Uh, while, you know, we do agree here that violence is not always the, the method to solve problems, he definitely has made a point. I, I'm not agreeing that I think Chris Rock's joke was very funny or, or anything. I also didn't laugh at it. And I think personally for me also, when I write any jokes or anything, um, it shouldn't be at the expense of someone's appearance. Pick something else, you know. Uh, so are there any other things that you sort of take note of when you think about jokes that you make of other people? Not at the expense of people's uh, insecurities. But you yeah. don't know what their insecurities exactly. are, Exactly. Right? So sometimes you don't know. So I, I never go too deep um, into into something which I think that they're, they're ashamed of or yeah, or like appearances. Okay, so earlier in the introduction, I, I mentioned that you are a multi-hyphenate, right? And then in this world where we have like uh, content creators and YouTubers and influencers and KOLs, like, is there a difference in the different roles or are they just labels that we put on? I don't know because I think for me... Like, I never saw myself as becoming an influencer or something. Like, that was not on my to-do list. Like, that was that was not my ambition when I was a kid. Like, I just wanted to be an artist. 
So, um, at, so at this point, which do you identify with? If, if there even is one that you identify with? I don't know. I'll go with musician and filmmaker. Because right, if you were to fill up your immigration form, uh, what would your occupation be, right? I always just write writer. It's just easier. So I think till today, it's just been so hard to define it. So it's just, I don't know, whatever you you see me as. Lo. You will still continue to write writer in your immigration form. Yeah, I probably would. Just to make it easier, you know. I would say the one thing that ties whatever I do uh, together is is the writing part of it. A lot of the work that you are creating as well is is also from a lot of the feedback that you're getting, which also means that you have to go through all the comments and read what people are saying about you. And sometimes you, you really don't know what's the next one that's going to come, right? Mm. Like, in, in, in my imagination, I'm just thinking that's really hard. Because like, you're o- almost like living your life based on what everyone else is saying. Or, or am I wrong to say this? Yeah, like, please I, don't take, I don't take most of it to heart. Yeah, so it's okay. Mm. Yeah, and, and some of it I know it's just mis- misinterpretation. So my latest series, Asian Billionaires, there's a, a Filipino character who's a helper. Mm. And then uh, someone commented like, oh, you're, you're just making a, a, a Filipino stereotype. And someone replied that person, because I just ignored the comment and said, and so someone else replied and said, please explain how is this a, a stereotype, right? Like, I really just want to know. And they say, oh, she's making it look like all Filipinos are domestic helpers. And I'm like, in my mind is, no, that's, that's, that's not how, what I, I showed. It's just, I'm just showing in the context of this one fa- unit of a family, they have a helper. It doesn't mean that because she's a helper, then suddenly I'm saying that all mm. Filipinos are domestic helpers. Like, that's not true. So I was just like, ah, that's not true, whatever. So I just move on. It's just a misinterpretation. Right. Yeah. But um, I would say there are times if, if someone is trying to, to start a conversation, if they ask something, then I, I do tend to re- reply because I won't see those as hate comments. Like, I, I feel like they're trying to start a conversation and maybe I'll explain myself. I, I, I yeah. agree to this and I and I see a lot of myself as well in what you're saying because for me, I think it's important to have conversations and we may not necessarily agree with each other, but if we are coming, if we are coming in with that, with that intention of just wanting to present another perspective, it's different from, you know, I'm trying to put you down. You know, I'm trying to, you know, attack you. I think that's very different. So I, I do think that it is indeed um, important to have conversation. We are not averse to it, but at the same time, I think it's how it's being phrased in the comments that would sort of determine whether or not you would respond. Yeah. If they ask me a question nicely, like just to try and find out, I, I, I'll gladly reply. Is it competitive actually in, in your industry? Yeah, but I mean, there are some really awesome people as well. I mean, in every industry, there's like, the there's awesome people and there's not so awesome people. So, <laughs> mm. well, what do you think will keep you going, you know? Because like you said, you know, people's attention spans are shorter and then, you know, some. I mean, someone new and someone funnier probably is, will come up and, and, and then, you know, h- how do you stay relevant? I also, I don't think so much about that. So I just think about like the work that I want to create. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I guess that would be how... I, I stay relevant by okay and I would say I, I of course set goals where I produce something mm. every week or, or so just just because you know I'm, I'm, I'm working for myself right now so I can't just not work yeah so that for me is it's just creating creating the content really like I think if you just focus on making stuff that you think people enjoy right you really don't need to worry so much about all these external other things so you seem like this 
I mean, you seem like you have everything going for you, lah, correct? Because you are, you know, happy, and then you are making content that you like. You you're kind of living out your dream. Because I I've read that you said that you you know you graduated from film school and you wanted to be like a a director, a writer, an actress, and and actually you've done it all. I actually right? never wanted to be an actor, you know. Oh, so it was just I accidentally just I stumbled on in front of the camera because at my previous job. Mm, yeah. Okay. But you've done it all now, right? Have you always been so focused? You know, I have a dream and I want to be this and then I will, you know, work my way to achieve this goal. I think I just... How I ended up on this path is just... It's actually because of a lot of failure and because of a lot of, like, closed doors and a lot of, um, like, rejected opportunities. So instead of just sitting there and wallowing in my sad life, I just figured I'll try my best to create something. Lah. And then that's how it happened. So for instance, um, uh, back when I was uh, in uni, so I wrote some music and there was this mentorship program that was going on in Singapore where uh, you could submit like some of your demos and then if you're chosen, right, um, a group of you, like they would pick, I don't know, 10 singer-songwriters or something and they'll work with industry professionals and you'll probably get get your songs uh, produced and stuff mm. and so I submitted so it's a yearly application I submitted for two years and I didn't get it in my second last year and last year of university la. and so when I left next year I just told myself like I'm not gonna keep trying every single year already right and then just keep getting rejected and so maybe I'll just send my demos to some other producers that I kind of like and then so uh, I sent it to a couple of producers, even like once in uh, US. And then there was this producer from the US called Ed Cash. And then he and his brother, Scott Cash, they liked the songs and they produced it. It was just such an amazing opportunity that would not have come if I didn't try to attempt to create it in that sense. Like I, um, and, it, and it only came about because of the initial rejection. Mm. Yeah, and so because I was turned down, um, uh, then that's why I, I ended up like that. I and suppose a lot of people don't know this part of the story, right? Like Yeah, they think that, oh, I just didn't want any kind of other... I never submitted to anything and I just went out there and made it myself, right? Like, no, I didn't. Like I, I would have wanted to just, you know, go with whatever is... <laughs> um, In the mentorship program and then yeah, be happy with it. Exactly, and I think it was similar also for... Uh, when I started acting and um, um, multitasking on set, right? It's that I just wanted to be a filmmaker and I just wanted to make like a show. I wanted to make a web series. So when I was in, in school, um, you know, when you're in film school, everyone wants to make a movie, right? Every mm. director wants to make a movie. And for me, it was like, uh, I, I would love to make a movie, but I also enjoyed watching series um, like, uh, uh, especially like comedy series, like all these uh, Modern Family and last other sitcoms that made me very happy. And I was like, that was just one of the first things I want to do because I know that that's also slightly achie more achievable compared to a movie. Yeah. You know, I mean, first of all, it's just because I think that these days, a lot of the content that we are getting, a lot of the entertainment that we're getting or the TV series that we're getting is so serious and it's so heavy and, oh my gosh, like, you know, COVID is bad enough and I feel terrible looking at the numbers and then we've got all these things going on around the world that is so unpleasant and, 
and we are still seeing people getting killed on on these TV series and all these psychopaths. <laughs> and I'm like, where? Whatever happened to the sitcoms and the comedies? You know? And I said, you know, I, I don't. It, people never see me as like a a comedy actress, or they I probably people don't see me as being able to do comedy. Have you acted in comedy shows? I, I've before? always wanted to. So I actually think I when I saw what you did, I think I said to someone, no, I hope that one day I can work with Annette, and then you know we can do a sitcom together, and then you know because I don't know how to. Um, like write a sitcom and I, I would love to be directed, you know, by you because you're funny and, and I, I, oh, I and, and I and I think That's if you think honor. I can do it, I'll be like I also will have the confidence because maybe any actor can be funny really. Yeah, no I really believe ever, you know. Really? Yeah. Tell, I tell me more about this. If, like every actor can be a comedian. Yeah. It's it's all about writing the character and being in the character. You don't have to be, you know, not that straight out hilarious person. It's funny because I'm watching you as a as a spectator. But you're not funny because you're a funny person. Does that make sense? I, I don't know. And I wish I had this chance to do comedy. Also, just because of the fact that I just want this myself. I want this to... I want to be entertained in this way, you know? And try something new, right? Like, step out of your comfort zone, And you and say? because and, and step out of my comfort zone is one thing because I am... I mean, I have done a lot of very heavy roles before and it gets physically and emotionally really draining. Oh. And, you know, I, I really want to just like be happy and do like a funny <laughs> show and just like have fun and enjoy myself and just you know and and not every time is very layered like the characters are always so layered and 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 you know there's so much trauma and this and that with you saying this i feel like maybe it's about finding the right director um and the right script but not as everyone as can write sitcoms so this is the thing i think i had an industry a, a conversation with an industry person before about like how come there are no more like sitcoms these days now it's no longer the trend, so to speak. Actually, yeah, why? And I've heard that it's because it's really hard to write good comedies. Is it because also a lot of people are getting comedy in a very short and quick form, like through Instagram or TikTok, right? Like your videos, for example, that I no longer need to sit down and watch like, you know, a, 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 like a full length or not, well, not full length, but like even a full length is like 20 to 30 minute yeah. like sitcom. Like when I can just sort of swipe, ha 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 ha, swipe, ha ha ha, swipe. No, I disagree. And that's why I, I wanted to make my web series. Because what I love about being able to do a longer show is having people feel like they're a part of of um something deeper. It's not mm. like just a superficial laugh. And and um, you know, I've I've had some I've had really warm reception to the show and and I I do think that there is value in, in making something longer. And having a longer laugh in in that sense, yeah. Because mm. I I would say you know you if it's just a very short video you have a quick laugh and then they move on right. Mm. But if you have a longer show and a longer kind of sitcom, um, people people really follow it and they feel like you're part of it and I think there's something extra special about that you know. But I wish there were more. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think you have to spearhead this for us. <laughs> <laughs> I will try my best. So I I do think that we. We need to have more sitcoms, and when you say that actually sitcoms are easy, I, I, I it is kind of a bit, uh, different from what I heard. Okay, like, no, so I wouldn't say it's easy in terms of yeah the writing and, right. and coming up the story, but I would say it's it's easier in terms of um just cost wise. Mm. Um, uh, you it doesn't have to look as 
huge production budget and you don't have that cool very cool shot a mm. drone shot you don't need that kind of madness uh, when it comes to, to a series compared to a movie like if I were to make a movie one day like I want to have a lot more cool stuff and like my budget will probably <laughs> shoot right. through the roof so for me it was um, uh, in terms of writing a good story I, I wanted to start off with the series and you know something a bit more lighthearted, and that's what I wanted to do when I graduated from school and somehow, you know, it just led me on this other path because like you said, I guess that, uh, there was no, I, for me, there was no opportunity for me to get, uh, a, a series made. Um, I, I, I wanted to actually do a series with a friend, um, when we first graduated, but long story short, um, we wrote it together and then, uh, halfway he was just saying like, Oh, can I just release this on my own channel? Yeah, and then I just felt like... Betrayal. Yeah, a bit, right? Which now it's been almost 10 years or more. And then I just said... You're still talking. Uh, <laughs> occasionally, yeah. But, um, and I was just like, okay, never mind, you, you just, just go ahead with it then. Yeah, which I think I like, wrote with him like half. Yeah. Um, and then so he just went ahead with it. And then for me it was, okay, how do I find another opportunity? Because that was something that we were discussing and we wanted to like start a channel together because again, we didn't see that there were other any opportunities. And like you say, you know, for the mainstream media, they, they didn't seem to be making a lot of comedy stuff. Um, And and even if they were, like how was I as a fresh graduate, graduate going to get my foot in into this industry and say I want to make a show? And so I, I went to a production company and when I was when I was there, uh, I got a call from SGAC where where they they wanted me to join the team, and then so I went over there, and they were making videos as well, and so that was kind of a sort of opportunity where I could kind of say, hey, I know I'll do videos, um, let's start a, a internal video team, and. I also didn't intend to act. I just wanted to make the videos, but because we didn't have actors around and you know it costs money to hire actors, I was like, okay, I'll just do it. And so that's how it started. And and yeah, like I, it's not like I set out, hey, I want to do this, 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 and hence that happened. Like it's just, it was just caused by rejection and the lack of opportunity, um, which I wish was around and it just wasn't. And so I just okay, lor, like let me just work with what I have. So that's how it just naturally happened over time mm. that I just you know just hold my skills that way it just happened to then okay now that I stumbled onto the camera let's see how I can do better so and, you, yeah. you you know you mentioned about how it, it pretty much it was a one woman show right now you you wrote and then you directed and then you acted and and you also mentioned that the barrier to entry is much lower now because basically anyone with a yeah. camera and, and a tripod can shoot and and because you have got the internet Anyone can create a YouTube channel. Anyone can put content up there. Do you ever think that this is going to, you know, disrupt and affect the whole industry? Because, you know, you're from film school, right? And then there's a certain standard. Like, you know, if you're a camera person, you got to study, you know, you gotta, if you're a director, you got to study certain film language and all that. But now, you know, it's, it seems like anybody can be a director. Anybody can be an actor, right? So do you think that's going to sort of affect or undermine, you know, this professionalism and this standard that we actually should be striving towards in terms of producing better content and, and higher quality productions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say what makes um, something look higher production, like a higher production value uh, piece, is just the resources you have to, to set it up, right? And so um, while it's a, it's a lower barrier entry just to film on your phone, I, I do... Uh, 
always strive to want to achieve more than that. And that's why I, okay, I, I work towards um, getting my series made, which that costs way more money, obviously, than, mm. you know, getting doing a TikTok. Mm. But um, that to me felt more like I was really to- going towards making art. And same for maybe some of like my music videos and things like that. That for me was striving a bit more towards I was making art rather than just a little quick skit. But I knew that at the point in time, I had to start somewhere, right? And so I didn't want to be um, so, you know, purist or like snobbish where at the beginning, um, all I had was a DSLR at the company and then they made me shoot some uh, shoot skits and I, I couldn't say no, sorry. I only work with <laughs> Alexas and... Um, $10,000 lights and until you make that happen I'm not going to make a, a video for you but like, no I just shot the DSLR and then hardly any lighting we go out and just shoot the sun yeah. and um, and I, I felt that okay from there um, it should things should improve and you know sort resources should increase and um, hopefully I could move towards get making art. La. So do you think that now that people are consuming content in such short and quick format, I mean, there's no point in, in, in spending all that money to do a high-quality production anymore since sometimes you don't even get the numbers, you don't get that views, you don't get as much viral talk about it. But then you, when you do like a quick and easy and, and cheap uh, TikTok video, it's like, wow, you know, you get more numbers than that. Uh, you might get a quick a short-term gain from like a, a little video. Mm. But I do think ultimately what really sticks and gives people a stronger connection um and experience is is some is something is a is something bigger la. yeah so i always still do want to to try and you can tackle more issues can tackle more um you know commentary social commentary you can tackle more um just just tackle more you know about like the human condition when you create something that's more layered and something that's that's bigger so so you have you know essentially taken very small steps to where you are today in that sense you started off with just a dslr camera like you said and just no actors you just did it yourself doing viral videos doing actually paid content videos and then you know always wanting to realize this dream of doing a web series and now you have a web series so talk about this web series a little bit just to plug and let people know what 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 it is where they can catch it and who's in it Okay, so you can catch it on my YouTube channel. It's called Asian Billionaires and it's a mockumentary about a fictional billionaire family in Singapore and they're just navigating their rich people problems and stuff. Um, but it's also, I hope, um, just a relatable story about a family um, f- for for everyone who watches to um, you know, feel like they identify with and that I hope they'll enjoy it no matter you know who you are, where you're from. And... Uh, it stars Gurmit Singh, Amy Cheng, um, Benjamin King, myself, and a Filipino actress called uh, Pao Diaz. So it was a lot, a lot of fun to shoot. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah. So what's upcoming? What's the next big things? So I'm doing a, a, a concert as well mm-hmm. on the 16th of April, mm-hmm. which is very soon. And um, I'm. It's like an. It's called a Netly All in One. It's sort of like an all-in-one of everything I do, which is music and um, some of my comedy stuff. Uh, you'll see my characters. Uh, and there's going to be fun surprises where... Uh, okay, fine. I'll, I'll spoil the surprise. You'll likely huh? be able to see... Really? Um, yeah, like <laughs> okay. some of the cast of Asian Billionaires. As well. <gasps> yeah, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be... A, uh, I won't spoil too many surprises, but 
uh, I, I spoiled some along the way, like how <laughs> we'll be doing the Tai Fun song. So it's okay. You know, I also don't want to keep too much in the dark. Now people will be wondering what's going on. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a concert and uh, it's, it, I, I opened it as a ballot. So I didn't sell tickets. It was just uh, sort of NDP stuff. They, but by now, it's closed already. The ballot's closed. So you can't sign up anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's very oversubscribed. So. And we, I, I, I want to... I feel like, you know, all of us, we, we have been spending years um, um, during this, this pandemic. And like you say, you know, it's been dark. It's been just uh, difficult. difficult. And I thought, you know, um, and, and as I was discussing just now about thinking of ways how I can give back um, to my audience, right? So I just felt that, yeah, if I want to do a show, then since it's like my first kind of, you know, big show and, 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 and it's the first one since the pandemic is sort of starting to open up, I, I, I didn't want to charge... Um, uh, people for it because I wanted people to be able to come whether they they um can get a ticket or not, and so um just this is I would say like my gift to my audience um as like a post pandemic gift and uh, hopefully everyone can just come together and we'll just hang out and we'll just have fun uh and it will be yeah so it will just it will just be a time where I can finally meet everyone in person which is so awesome and so exciting together. I wish you all the best as I and I think you will do a great job as what you've done so far already and that I hope that this will mark a new chapter for you and bigger and better things will come thank you so much Annette for joining me on thank my you. very first episode uh, before you go please tell our listeners where they can find you you can find me at Annette Lee on Instagram uh, my TikTok is slightly different it's at Annette and a fish and, which is like my name which is a pun on Annette and uh, you can just search Annette Lee on YouTube as well, and I'll be there. I really appreciate all the um, everything that I watched you in and everything I watched in um, on MediaCorp when I was growing up, because that really sparked like my my passion and my inspiration for what I'm doing. As well. Oh, yeah. thank you! <laughs> I'm glad we we inspire each other because I always do think that we also have a lot to learn from the next generation. Not that we are that far off. Like, yes, okay. we're not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. Bye. Bye. This was the Zoda Pop Podcast.